This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. It's the 3rd of November, day before Diwali. Um, I always find it quite amazing how Delhi just lights up and there's such a mood shift for Diwali. Uh, especially for me from South India, this is so new and it's so interesting whenever it happens. And it seems like because of the pandemic, everybody is celebrating with a vengeance this time. And joining me today is Akansha. Akansha, are you home for Diwali? Are you in the city? What are you doing? I'm still in Delhi, uh, Nidhi, but I wanted to go home, but it was too late to get tickets for Prayagraj. So uh, here I am, but I've done my bit of Diwali shopping and I'm all set to celebrate the festival. So today we have Akanksha with us to talk about something a little more grim. Um, I met her in office a few days ago. I was on a break and then I met her in office and uh, she was buried in what looked like a book of documents. Uh, and she's been diligently following the story of Siddiqui Kapan, a journalist from Kerala who was arrested with three others by the Uttar Pradesh police on October 5th last year, while they were on, while he was on his way to Hathras. Uh, Hathras is a district, again, in Uttar Pradesh. It's about three hours from Delhi. This is, uh, so Siddiqui Kapan was on his way uh, to Hathras to meet the family of the Dalit girl in Hathras who was gang-raped by four Thakur men. She had succumbed to her injuries two weeks after the incident. And Kapan, like many of us, including both me and Akansha, uh, we had also made multiple trips back and forth to the region to meet their family. And Kapan was all, also on his way to do the same. Anyway, he was arrested on October 5th by the UP police and the FIR registered against him, accused him of sedition, promoting enmity. They were, uh, he was charged under sections of the IT Act and under provisions of the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act. Since then, uh, Siddiqui Kapan has been in jail. It's been over a year now. Only in June earlier this year, he was granted a five-day bail after his mother passed away. So in January, a 5,000-page charge sheet was filed and it concluded that Kapan did incite violence and that apart from instigating Muslims, he also sympathizes with Maoists and communists. Akansha has been in touch with his lawyer and uh, for the last few months, in fact, I think the entire year, she's worked on looking at how the UP police has constructed this case against uh, Siddiqui Kapan. And so far, we have about five stories uh, authored by her, which reveal uh, the investigation and how this investigation has been happening against Siddiqui Kapan. Uh, now, Akanksha, I really want to start with, could you help us understand who is the PFI and why has it become such an integral part of this case? Uh, Nidhi, uh, PFI or Popular Front of India is a radical Islamist organization and uh, they do have uh, members across India. PFI has been a sort of persona non grata for the UP government after uh, violence broke out in different districts of UP in 2019 uh, during anti-CA protests. And uh, UP police, the UP government has always uh, held PFI responsible for uh, these uh, attacks uh, which happened, which were reported from Kanpur in different districts of Western UP and other places as well. 
so much so that uh, in january 2020 the home ministry the state home uh, department of up even uh, sort of reached out to the center demanding a ban on pfi uh, something which hasn't been done uh, yet still uh, pfi is an organization which is often looked at uh, with suspicion by the up government somehow uh, you know we see a pattern that pfi is there in news every time there is a communal violence reported from any part of the country so mm. even in august 2020 when there was a communal clash reported in bangalore for instance over a facebook post the entire uh, sort of karnataka government and their various ministers also said that it's pfi which is responsible and uh, you know we'll ensure that this organization is banned but surprisingly even though pfi names crops up every few months and every year in context of some or the other communal violence there is no substantive proof to establish that it is in fact pfi volunteers who initiated this uh, kind of violence and therefore it is no surprise that probably the home ministry uh, has also not been able to ban the organization and of course as we know uh, as far as up is concerned uh, for its chief minister yogi adityanath his entire politics is about uh, projecting muslims as you know pulling them into his own agenda of us versus them kind of politics and therefore villainizing a certain organization uh, led by muslims helps him do it in a more convenient way hmm. you've said that as the defense lawyer madhuvan dat chaturvedi uh, he has said that also another name that consistently pops up in the charge sheet is that of the website justice for the hatras victim and you've also said in the story that based on the disclosure statements made during police custody by both siddiqui kapan and atikur rehman uh, they took responsibility for uh, hosting this particular portal uh, now my question actually is twofold one what is the evidentiary value of a disclosure statement if you could break that down for us and two uh, what is this portal about and how is it linked to this case right now uh so i'll answer your uh, second question first uh, just so that uh, it helps the listeners uh, understand the background so when uh, kapan and three others were arrested by the up police at mathura's mand toll plaza while they were on their way to hatras up police had confiscated uh, their laptop mobiles and around 1700 documents among these documents are posters and pamphlets downloaded from the justice for hatras rape victim portal now these posters it seems to suggest were on the lines of any set of instructions that are usually disseminated these days in the form of a toolkit so there were some generic instructions as to how to protect oneself if you are caught in a riot like situation on the basis of these pamphlets the up police has come up with this conspiracy theory that kapan co accused atikur rehman and others they were on their way to incite caste based violence in hatras uh, because as we know that the hatras rape victim 
belonged to Dalit uh, community and the accused were from the dominant uh, Thakur caste. And when the incident had uh, been reported, uh, the Thakur community had come out in support of the accused. So the entire area was experiencing and witnessing these caste tensions. And the UP police is of the view that these men were on their way to incite caste-based violence. Now, to support this theory, they have included disclosure statements by Kapan and Atikur Rahman in the charge sheet, in which they have reportedly admitted about their allegiance to PFI, about the fact that, uh, you know, whatever momentum they had uh, gained uh, during the anti-CA protest was on the vein because of the lockdown. And therefore, this Hathras incident gave them an opportunity to, uh, you know, get support of the Dalits, and which is why uh, they first decided to put up a website. But within days, it was pulled down. And therefore, they decided to visit the place themselves physically. Now, of course, as we know from the different judgments uh, given in the Delhi rights cases so far, especially because, uh, you know, News Laundry itself has reported on in different cases and stories done by Z News, Print and ANI, uh, when disclosure statements of Jamia students uh, have been leaked uh, by Delhi police in which they have reportedly admitted that, uh, you know, all this sit-in was ploy to uh, cause riots. These disclosure statements, which is made in police custody, have no evidentiary value under Section 25 of the Evidence Act. Section 25 of the Evidence Act clearly states that the disclosure statement cannot be used against the accused. So obviously, since they don't seem to have any material evidence against Kapan and others, it just seems that the UP police is trying to substantiate their theory by, you know, including these disclosure statements, which clearly are inadmissible in any court. And they're inadmissible because the court is suspicious of the method in which this disclosure was uh, made, right? Yes, yes. So the prosecution can use them to, uh, you know, establish timeline or to build his own case. But since, uh, you know, our police also doesn't enjoy a very sort of good uh, professional reputation, which is why the courts have repeatedly said Uh, that these disclosure statements cannot be used against the person uh, who is in custody. Right. And another story, in one of your next stories, you actually, uh, again, look at another aspect that the police uses to define that he was, in fact, going there to incite caste-based violence and that he was linked to PFI, which I must remind you, again, is not a banned organization. Um, And this method was the WhatsApp chats of Siddiqui Kapani. Uh, Before moving on to the interpretation of these chats, what is the evidentiary value, again, of the WhatsApp chats in court? So, uh, Nidhi, again, I think uh, this is uh, a raging debate which is uh, going on in legal circles uh, regarding the evidentiary value of WhatsApp chats, especially after the recent case of arrest of Aryan Khan in the drugs uh, case uh, where uh, Narcotics Bureau have actually uh, relied on WhatsApp chats a year ago to state that, you know, probably he was part of some drug cartel. 
so uh, firstly do whatsapp chats have evidentiary value yes they do have i mean whatsapp chats can be treated as electronic evidence uh, but what is significant here is that the lawyer the prosecution should be able to establish the context in which you are presenting those whatsapp chats as evidence before we move on to the like what it means i was also wondering if you can give our listeners a little bit of an example like your story has multiple instances of these interpretations but if you can just pinpoint to one interpretation so we get a sense of you know how the context has been uh, revealed by the up police so i think there is one particular whatsapp chat between siddiqui kapan and pfi member uh, his name is kamal kp and uh, kapan has sent him link of his uh, story uh, regarding the proposed ban on pfi uh, in the backdrop of the violence in bangalore in august 2020 and uh, upstf has interpreted this exchange of link as you know kapan trying to do a story which is against the ban on pfi but uh, since kapan is a kerala based journalist who was a freelancer for a malayalam website called azimukham so a lot of his stories are in malayalam uh, but the chart sheet does have their english translation and if you read the translated version of the story he is not trying to uh, sort of oppose the ban on pfi in fact he has got quotes from different political uh, parties based in kerala be it the youth wing of iuml and there is another organization called samast kerala sunni students uh, federation and the representatives of these political organization they say that you know neither rss nor pfi deserve to be a ban it is their activities which need to be condemned or the thought process the very radical thought process that they sort of espouse that needs to be sort of condemned so in that sense the very conclusion of up's stf uh, seem to be very very superficial uh that you have not even done your basic research in terms of trying to understand what the article is trying to say and just because you know a person has written on pfi and that acts like some sort of dog whistle for you that you are trying to implicate and you're trying to imply that oh he's trying to basically oppose the ban on pfi which is not the case So so far we've looked at and Akansha's done stories on multiple things like the first is the disclosure statements and then we see how actually disclosure statements don't really count in court they're not admissible the next set of things that the chart sheet apparently examined is the WhatsApp chats of Kapan which also hold uh, evidentiary value but on the pretext that the context of the whatsapp chat is interpreted accurately which uh, akansha story shows us how flimsily they have been interpreted another aspect that the chart sheet examines is a statement made by a person named g sridathan editor in chief of the website indascrolls and an associate editor of the rss mouthpiece Uh, organizer now um, months before kapan's arrest there's also this aspect that siddiqui kapan had sent a defamation notice to g sridathan and so it's safe to assume i guess that apart from the fact that the two men uh, probably had differing ideologies they also weren't the best of friends and akansha's story reveals how uh, the up police had gone ahead and built a case full of terror charges based on a statement by g sridathan so akansha can you tell us a little bit about 
the statement that G. Sridharan has made, and does it really reveal anything scathing about Kapil? G. Sridharan is another very uh, peculiar character, you know, who appears in the charge sheet in the five thousand page charge sheet. and uh, you know initially it would seem like he is a person of utmost importance uh, to upstf why because the upstf after the forensic exam of kapan's laptop they did come across this defamation notice in a soft copy of which was there in the documents folder and that is how they got in touch with uh, g shridathan and up stf is relying on his statement only to prove that uh, kapan had ties with pfi and that you know uh, he was involved in some sort of communal agenda which involved uh, spreading fake news uh, during uh, the 2019 uh, you know jamia violence uh, in delhi but you know before i move on to his statement i think it's very important to understand the background of g shridathan he is the founder and managing director of a right leaning website called inda scrolls but he is also associate editor of organizer which is uh, the mouthpiece of rss and we know that organizer itself has had a biased agenda of running fake news an example of which uh, came to light in 2016 when they carried a story on their front page regarding uh, exodus of hindus in kerana and multiple news outlets including news laundry had then debunked uh, this claim that there was no such exodus of hindus happening in kerana and surprisingly uh you know this aspect of who shridathan is and his ideological inclination does not figure in the charge sheet anywhere in fact the up stf officials they have tried to uh, establish a contact with shridathan over mails and over phone calls and that is how they have managed to get his statement so what does shridathan's statement uh, say he basically first links kapan to pfi and then he also alleges that uh, you know he was into spreading fake news as well when i contacted uh, g shridathan and i asked him that uh, you know uh, what was the source of this news story that indascrolls had published and he said that uh, well there was a whatsapp group uh, comprising journalists and our understanding is that one of the administrators of this group was siddiqui kapan so then i asked him that do you have any proof that he was the administrator or any other material evidence to prove that he is a member of pfi he says that uh, you know well i have also been a senior journalist and i have my own sources uh, the reporter who had filed the story for indascrolls has since left the organization so again we know how these right leaning websites operate in general we have sort of highlighted multiple times how op india resorts to any sort of whatsapp message and they will use it if it serves their purpose of vilifying muslims that is exactly what inda scrolls had done uh, without verifying the facts of the case without uh, establishing that siddiqui kapan uh, was in fact the administrator or not of the said whatsapp group they had run a story with the headline that uh, siddiqui kapan and popular front 
uh, running news riots, which is why uh, Kapan's lawyer Nisha Bhambani had sent a defamation notice to Indus Scrolls in April 2020 to take down that article. But uh, they didn't really comply with the notice, and Kapan also didn't really then follow up as far as the proceedings of the defamation case are concerned. So this again, Nidhi is a flimsy piece of evidence that UPSTF has come up with only to prove their original theory that Kapan, being a PFI member, was inspired uh, by a certain ideology and therefore you know you have to look at him with suspicion if such a character was on his way to Hathras that day. Right Akanchi you've been so involved in the minute details and nuances of this case but for a moment if you had to take a step back and I ask this because like when I was reading your stories I was reminded of the time when uh, I was in Kashmir and Shujat Bukhari, a journalist in Kashmir, he'd just been shot dead. And I think my colleague and I, we were there 10 minutes after the incident happened. And by then, you know, we'd been in Kashmir long enough that I'd reported on multiple cases of violence, of acts of uh, crime, of, you know, really gory things. But when this particular incident happened, and I remember it had happened in the press in Cleve when all these journalists had run down from their office and we were just standing there. And even though I hadn't had any sort of personal relationship with Shujat Bukhari, it affected us a little differently. Reporting on that particular story was a little different from reporting on any other story of violence, um, just because in some way, you know, there was this sense of that, oh, we're all from the same fraternity. And it takes you aback. It makes you, at least it took me aback. And I, I was all of 22 then. And Shujat Bukhari was much more experienced. And it sort of scares you uh, in some way. Uh, and I was wondering, you know, as you are going through this sort of process of really dissecting this case and having multiple conversations with people, what goes through your mind? Do you ever have a moment where you sort of sit back and... Uh, take in uh, what is happening and so I'm curious what you think of the whole incident. Now that it's been almost a month since you know I've been uh, sort of trying to make sense of the 5,000 page charge sheet and uh, I haven't really spoken to any of the family members of Kapan and yet it just seems that you know I know this person the kind of professional that he was and I actually feel sorry for him. Mm. And, you know, I just would like to quote one line from the charge sheet, Nidhi, just to make you understand why this case should scare any of us. In one of the concluding notes, uh, especially the uh, recent story, which is based on the booklets recovered from Kapan's residence, in the context of that recovery, the investigating officer says that uh, the line is in Hindi. ऐसा प्रतीत होता है कि अभियुक्त सिद्दीकी कपन सिमी के लिए काम करता था। When translated to English, the investigating officer is actually saying that it seems that the accused सिद्दीकी कपन was working for सिमी। And I find this very sentence problematic at many levels because here is an investigating officer of a supposedly sophisticated wing of UP police, which is UPSTF, you know, relying on an assumption in his concluding note that it seems to him that he used to work for Simi. And there has to be a substantial evidence. There has to be a proper mechanism 
by which an investigating officer has reached at a particular uh, conclusion. And after I read this line, I was like, you know, if this is how investigations are done in this country, if this is how justice is served in this country, I think as a journalist, Siddiqui Kappan's case should scare each and every one of us because it could be any one of us. All uh, the UP police or the, any investigation agency have to do is just find something that they feel is uh, inflammatory or incriminating. They need to just pile up a couple of WhatsApp chats. And here you have a UAPA case against you. Because uh, I think this is the fundamental question uh, which Kappan's case has uh, kind of brought before all of us, uh, especially after the big news break by Indian Express that they have even used some of his articles and stories to conclude that he was in fact involved in a certain uh, communal way of storytelling because then that makes each and every one of us a criminal in front of the UP government. So this is like a dystopian state uh, which we are talking and it should uh, scare all of us. Right. And for our listeners who don't know, Simi is actually a, a designated terror organization and was banned by the government of India in 2001. So to make a statement like that and say it seems like he's part of the a terror organization is quite a heavy, heavy accusation. Um, and, you know, listeners, I really want to use this moment to appeal to you. It's in moments like this uh, when I see my colleague uh, colleagues and colleagues like Akanksha diligently putting in the work, putting in the hours to bring us a story like this, which requires days and days of reading, untangling, making calls, that the worth or purpose of journalism really shines through. And I would really urge you to recognize that we're at a time when we need your support uh, to be able to do work like this, to be able to put in the hours and write these stories which will ultimately be some sort of a permanent record in history. You know, nobody is going to go and sit down and read a 5,000 page charge sheet. It's through stories like this that we will be able to access uh, what happens in courts, what happens in these documents. So please, if you believe in us, do contribute to us, subscribe to us. Uh, you can go to our website, www.newslaundry.com. On the top right corner, there's a small subscribe button that you can click and choose which package you want to subscribe to. So far, Akansha has done five stories on this particular issue. You can also find them on our website under a special section called the Siddiqui Kappan Charge Sheet. And I think that's the end of our conversation. Akansha, thank you so much for doing the work that you do and for speaking to us today. Thank you, Nidhi. Always a pleasure talking to you. And before we move on, uh, is there something, Akansha, that you would like to recommend to our uh, listeners this week? I would uh, like to recommend my colleague Avdesh's uh, recent story for News Laundry Hindi. Uh, it's a very uh, sort of heart-wrenching human interest story in which he has tracked down a family of a BHU student who have been trying to find his whereabouts uh, for over a year now. And he was just picked up by UP police from outside BHU campus. And the, you know, SHO who was uh, stationed there, uh, his brother apparently even tried to bribe uh, the family with rupees 10 lakh and told them to sort of just go on back foot. Uh, but the family is quite determined 
to uh, take the case to its logical conclusion so you should check out that story it again highlights the sort of uh, deplorable state of uh, law and order in up and my second recommendation would be a movie i watched recently it's a 2019 movie called ram prasad ki tehravi by seema pahwa she has beautifully captured the dynamics of a typical north indian family which is trying to make sense of bereavement of loss and trying to hold on to each other as they deal with their uh, own devils uh, so it made for a beautiful watch so that would be my second uh, recommendation lovely i actually have three recommendations so two are actually a docu series one is the impeachment the american crime story it kind of looks at the case of bill clinton and monica lewinsky and the media trial it involved uh, and really how that case played out it's shot and said pretty well i thought it was absolutely fascinating another series that i really am i'm actually in the last uh, episode of it is allen versus farrow and it looks at uh, the case of Woody Allen and uh, his wife Mia Farrow where uh, Woody Allen actually is accused of sexually abusing and raping his 7 year old daughter uh, with Mia Farrow so it's a very complex case where Mia Farrow was uh, accused of uh, sort of forcing her child to make these statements just because she is a, a mother who's angry and a wife who's angry with Woody Allen for falling in love with her adopted child it's quite a complex and nuanced story uh it's one hour each episode and four episodes so it's not too long it's very intense i can't uh, watch more than an episode a day and uh, the last thing i want to recommend is a book i've been reading uh it's titled why be happy when you could be normal um by janet winterson and actually the story of a young girl who's looking for a sense of belonging she has a troubled relationship with her mother and uh, yet there's a lot of fierce love between them it's sort of like a monologue of her looking back and trying to locate points of belonging in her life so very interesting things and i would also recommend you to please go and read akansha's stories um they're they're really a labor of hard hard work listeners if you're listening to this podcast on other podcast players like spotify apple stitcher i would really really urge you to go and actually listen to it on our own podcast player which is on the news laundry website it's very cool it's uh, got really interesting features so please do go listen to our podcast on our own website and we also have multiple other cool things that you can check out on our website www.newslaundry.com That's it for today. Thank you again Akanksha for joining us. Thank you Nidhi. And with that, this podcast is adjourned. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 